Hey everybody, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We are stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians that are currently jobless because of the coronavirus. We're finally going to be the doctors our mothers wanted us to be. Is there anything that we don't know? A lot, actually. We have a lot of questions. Uh, we have a lot of answers. All of them wrong. But we do have access to... Google. And a vet. Oh yeah, my mom's a vet. She knows some stuff. We have to do this So again. every once in a while, we're going to invite her on. No, we don't. We're going to actually use this. <laughs> welcome to Two Non-Doctors. Hi, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We're going to do announcements up the top because we're professionals. Goddamn right. Thanks for subscribing, guys. It really, like, warms our heart. Thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, thank you so much for being supportive and being a part of our community. On our Patreon, you can get bonus episodes. You get episodes earlier than we release them. You get... We have the new extended... Now that we're having a Google Guest, um, the extended version of the Google Guest, if you're $15 or more, you are going to start getting those. You know, we, we shoot the shit talking about what Google's... <laughs> Does anybody say shoot the shit anymore? Yeah, we were just shooting the shit. Like I don't I... think they do, but I'm proud of you for just owning it. Yeah, fucking yeah, we shoot the shit. <laughs> yeah, it's 1999. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then of course, um, five dollars or more, you get stickers, and we appreciate every single one of you guys. Subscribe and... to our YouTube. Yeah. Subscribe to our, or just you know, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. All that stuff. On DRS on Instagram, the number two. And yeah, and we're on the Unpops Network. So don't forget to check out Unpopular Opinion. They also talked about the social dilemma the okay. week we talked about it. Yeah, always so funny. They're so, very supportive of us. And then um, personal announcement, I am headlining in Tampa at Side Splitters November 14th. So if you want to get tickets, you can go to sidesplitters.com or you can go to lizmealy.com. It'll be technically headlining this weekend at a drive-in, but this I think will be my first headlining inside a room since March. It's like socially distanced and they put in a fancy filter and everybody's like wearing masks and stuff. I know a couple of people that did Tampa because Florida being a newer hotspot. I don't even know if there's still a hotspot. Oh, you mean, do you think cases went down? I have no idea. Right. Zero idea. So I it's like- I don't feel like the states communicate with each other. No. I don't think anyone knows about the other states. It's just what you're going through. Yeah, because we're doing, New York's doing well. So there's No, not it. from what I read. In what way? It's going not, up. I did not hear, nobody's And so they're starting to find $50 or something if you're not wearing your mask. N none of that. I live here. None of that. <laughs> Heard none of that. And I like keep on this shit. I mean, it was in The Guardian. I don't know. I like, think it's fake news. <laughs> to maybe. Make us look bad. I feel like we're doing okay, but I am worried once indoor seating starts, what that's going to look like. All that okay. said, Florida, you are never doing great. So <laughs> I've talked to a bunch of friends that have done Florida like the whole time. And now I just don't want to be a, a person that makes people sicker. So like I called the booker to be like, how is this going to be something that is safe? for everybody and um i really like him and he's taking all the precautions and sent me everything that he's doing and we shall see i just haven't flown in oh yeah yeah i have march you swear a mask you? the whole time oh, oh, yeah, I went to Poland. yeah. The ma i wore a mask when i came in february because it was starting to get scary in february so when i flew to paris at the end of february i asked my mom for a mask she made fun of me yeah <laughs> and then I wore it on the whole plane and I was like one of four people on the plane wearing it and the funniest part about it is you know me I wear I wear an eye mask to sleep on the plane so I was like this and this and it was hard to breathe but I did it because I was like what's the harm in trying you want to get into fan mail yeah let's do it all right this is from Alvin uh he wrote this on YouTube and he wrote who 
or what were your, uh, were your ladies' inspiration to become comedians? It must have been very inspirational, so much so that you changed your whole lives to do what you love. Keep rocking. Nice. Um, which uh, I read the whole thing because I find why I started to be very uninspirational. I don't what know, do you mean? I was sad. Oh, I, I think that's very inspiring. <laughs> I was who's been sad. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I mean, I probably was severely depressed and I was a teenager and it's the only thing that made me happy. I mean, in some ways when I read like you must have changed, like what would, it made you change your whole life. It more made me change maybe my trajectory, but I didn't really have a life. I was a teenager that lived at home that went to high school that, you know, people were starting to talk about like what colleges they were going to and what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I was either like, I'd have, I feel nothing and I don't, even know if I want to live. And then I love comedy. Like that was like, I very much was this, like felt very like one dimensional of a human. And I just saw that I was happier and I found a way that I could connect with my family and, and my friends by being funny or bringing different comedians. Like I would VHS tape comedians from Comedy Central and then I would bring them over to my friends and our inside jokes was us quoting them. You know, that simple way of kind of like building a rapport with somebody. I don't know. At first was just watching it made me feel better. And then writing it made me feel hope. And then performing it gave me a reason to like kind of live. Like, I know that sounds really dramatic, but I was quite sad <laughs> um, and quite lost. So I just love it. I still love it. Like it still gets me out of bed. I've been sad for six months and I barely do it as like I did before. I have to say my love for it has never changed and I think I made the right choice. I mean, it's hard now with the world. <laughs> now going back now. I know there's a part of me that's like, ask me in 10 years, Alvin. <laughs> uh, what about you though? Jim Gaffigan. Really? <laughs> Yours was so beautiful. And like, <laughs> I was lost in life and then I found it, like you found Jesus, like I found stand-up comedy and um, it was prom night <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was a group of us and we went to this uh, hotel after, like the after party and everybody started making out and I was such a loser. I was like, who wants to watch TV? <laughs> So I'm the only one, everyone's like kissing around me. I'm the only one like flipping through the channels. And then I, I, I'd never seen stand up before. I don't think I'd heard of it. And uh, Jim Gaffigan's Comedy Central Presents was on. And I just found it's the it best one. so funny. So I still to this day, and that was how many years ago now? Like probably over 20. I still quote it. Everyone, everyone still quotes it. I saw on Twitter yeah. somebody else was quoting it. They were, he was like, I know this. I think it was Josh Gondelman. He was like, I know this is old, but like, I love this joke. And it's just like funniest fucking special but yeah and I was like guys this guy is so funny guys and, oh, okay they're all having sex um <laughs> they weren't having sex but like when you're done I have some <laughs> jokes to tell you you're really good <laughs> I think um, we bonded over quoting his first half hour special I'm sure that's true because I mean I could I could quote the whole thing I could quote Jim Gaffin was definitely somebody I would bring to my friends when I was a teenager but um Kevin James sweat the small stuff I still think it's oh. one of the that's such a great special. The whole thing is quotable. Whole thing. It's like <laughs> with the door. <laughs> we still do that. Oh no. We're like what? my mom will like be unlocking the door and I'll be like, you know, like like I'll be mom unlock the door and then I go to open it and then of course I'll do that the, the g -g 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 yeah. and my mom will be like sit down <laughs> and I will open it when I am ready. <laughs> 
I, I just feel like anybody. What a that- golden era of comedy, though, right? It was. It really it was. was. Like those Comedy Central presents, it was Jim Gaffigan and Kevin James and Nick Swartzen and Nick Swartzen. Kathleen Madigan and Bill Burr and Wanda like, Sykes. Wanda just all doing 30 minute like Comedy Central specials. And that was when, you know, that's when I super got into comedy, started watching all of that. And then I got a job at a comedy club. So I'm like watching those and working in the box office all day. And then at night, actually watching it live. And so here's my Jim Gaffigan story. And Greg Geraldo. Yeah. Greg Giraldo. Yeah. My older sister went to George Washington University in DC. And I think some of my first like seeing comedy live was at the DC Improv because I would go visit my sister in college and she knew I loved comedy and we'd go to the DC Improv. So I saw like Tony Woods. I saw Mitch Hedberg. Mm-hmm. Talk about golden era. I saw Mitch Hedberg live there. And then I saw Jim Gaffigan. I think my, my older sister took me. I was 15 years old. And we were kind of like the third row. You know, we look young now. I can't even imagine what my sister looked like <laughs> at 18 and I'm 15. And um, he started making fun of my sister being like a college student. And like, keep in mind, this is like Jim Gaffigan 20 years ago. Like he literally is just kind of silly and nice. Or, I mean, I guess that's what he is now. Um, but like less caricature as he is kind of now. I feel like he's like talks about donuts for 45 minutes and he wasn't like that before. And he was just, it was a light making fun of my sister hated him. And <laughs> his name comes up at any time. She's like, I hate him because of this person. You're very, so Italian in that way. Very little. <laughs> I literally didn't understand why she was mad. She was mad during the show and she was mad afterwards. And she was like, so disrespectful. And I was like, it is not personal. He yeah. is literally like icebreaker. As somebody that was obsessed with comedy, I was like, you don't know what offensive is. Like, I was like, if Jim Gaffigan hurts your feelings, you are not ready for this yeah. world. <laughs> but that comedy club, like I saw so many people live. When I moved to New York, I, I saw them all again. Cause I was like, I was, I was the one at the comedy club, like chatting, the, like chatting them up and being like, hey, so like, what's New York like? And like, <laughs> like, oh, like I was like stuck in Ohio. Like, please tell me about the outside world, please. Yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. They're just like, all right, kid, I can't, I can't do this right now. Just get on a bus. Here's a $200. You want to get into Google's? Yeah. Our guest today is Chris McDougall. He is a good friend of mine, but hopefully you know him from uh, his books, uh, Born to Run, Natural Born Heroes, and Running with Sherman. All three are my favorite books. Chris just moved to Hawaii and he's bragging about it. Are you fully assimilated? Like, I do am you feel fully, like this is fully obnoxious. Life? I know just enough to be completely irritating to everybody. I, I drop like cool words every once in a while. Uh, keep referencing like the best poke. So uh, not enough to be native, just enough for the natives to wish I would go to fuck home. Your wife grew up in Hawaii. Do you ever like just throw that under the bus where you're just like, I'm just like, um, my wife brought me here. My wife knows everything. So like I the first, the first breath, you know, like <laughs> it's Chris, my wife grew up in Hawaii, McDougal. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm not allowed to drop F-bombs here. I'm dropping you're, you're allowed to 100% be yourself, Chris. Nobody's regulating this at all. All right. We, at, at last. Yeah. We are a podcast of Liz. fluff and bullshit. And we... Fluff. Aww. Are we doing this, cats Chris? on this episode. <laughs> I'll tell you what, she's stepping on things. Sweater. She's going to the audio. This was one of my Google searches. Here's a transition. Here's a pivot for you. Dandy's Beach. So I'm out there trying to body surf with these guys and just getting demolished. And one of the guys goes, you know, this is Sandy's Beach. I said, yeah, I, I know. It's right there on a big sign. He's like, no, this is like the number one spinal injury beach 
in the world. Because it's rocky or is it because that people decide to body surf? That, like, why is that the worst beach for spinal injuries? It's because what makes the waves so good is there's like a little channel, there's like a, a ditch. So the water comes in and hits this ditch really hard. So oh. it makes good waves. But you know, if you're on the wave and you don't know how to pull off, then you just smack right into the ground. Oh, okay. So what was your, your full Google? I fell off the roof of the house here. This one? Yeah. You go into the hospital and they're like, were you in the water? No. (laughs) 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 Didn't didn't even get there. Uh, But uh, after I fell off the roof, I noticed that I had this gigantic, you should have seen this thing, Liz. This was like a gigantic bubble on my elbow, like this big fluidy, but kind of hard bubble. It was like an alien life form. Ah, can you see this? The cat is climbing my back now. Uh, oh, I thought you were like, you I still thought, had arm injury. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were, yeah. you were in trouble. <laughs> no, no, that was, that, that was the tiger Did that thing. cat push you off the roof? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I need a trail. I need a nanny cam for that cat. <laughs> Seriously. That was like my, my Google search was weird elbow bubble. So what did Google- What was it? <laughs> yeah, what did Google say? I'm so, you're not dead, so you're doing Well, great. before consulting yeah. Google, I consulted see, people on the street. I'm Chris, my wife grew up here, McDougal. What is this? <laughs> Chris, my soon-to-be ex-wife, McDougal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm walking around with this big old thing, and it's lasting for like weeks. It's been like two weeks, this big old thing on my elbow. And then at one point, um, there's some little kid going by, and he's being a little bit cranky or something. I said, hey, kid, look at this. Have you ever seen one of these before? And I'm showing him the thing. He's just like pulling back. Yeah. Mika said, you know, you're going to be known forever as like the weird elbow bubble guy. Like this kid's yeah. going to grow up. There was this guy. How You're like 6'4 or something. You're a giant man. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're this giant man. Hey, kid, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> truly terrifying. Like even as an adult, if some stranger came up to me and was like, what do you think this is? I'd be like, this is how I die. <laughs> right. I think it ultimately was bursitis. So bursitis is a thing like tennis players get it a lot. Millie, by the way, we have a cat door in the house. Do you have a cat door at all? I don't. Oh my God, it just changes everything. You know, cats yeah. come and go. They come up, they come back from their own adventures. You can see the look on their face, like something cool happened outside. And Anyway, uh, it was bursitis and bursitis. The other cats are like, you live with elbow guy? Ugh. (laughs) God, I hope he feeds you well. Yeah, you're like, oh man, you're not going to make it. We all know in the cat community, that is a death sentence. (laughs) You're better off living on the street with us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's pretty much gone. You know, it's still pretty tender. Well, how did it go away? Did it go away on its own? Did you pop it? No, I didn't pop it. I was thinking about popping. It just felt too dense. It felt like you need to have You don't want to find out what's in there. (laughs) Was it from the surfing? Was it from the fall? Like I'm not sure what actually triggered, you know, the incident that caused the bubble. But I think the elbow was already going south. And as I was coming off the roof onto the ladder, my elbow buckled a little bit, which threw me off balance on the ladder. And then bam, you can see that roof beyond this one right here. That's the one I fell off of. Yeah. (laughs) That's the infamous roof. (laughs) <laughs> I really learned your cat's up there like twisting its whiskers. Oh, Chris, this yeah. was perfect. Thank you so much for being on it and just your wonderfulness. Good seeing you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, so uh, my Google was how how long does the retinol purge last? Because I started a retinol cream, I guess like a month ago. As we all now know, I spend too much time on TikTok. 
but I like to feel like I'm educating myself. So there's this woman that's all about skincare or whatever. So get ready for like 90% of my Googles to be about skincare. Um, I also get very obsessive about like a thing. Like I would get obsessed about my nails and do all this research about nails. And then I'm just like a crazy girl that knows too much about nail health. So I think that's what's happening right now as everything, like basically life gets out of control and I become very obsessive about one part of my body for some reason. Um, it could be my hair, whatever. So right now we're at skincare. Okay. Um, her whole thing is like, here are like brands of retinol or, you know, anything that are affordable and actually work. And so I got this retinol cream, which was kind of funny because she was just like, you need to, you need to start it before you start aging. So like late twenties, early thirties, and I'm 35. And I was just like, I look like I'm 25. It's fine. I, I'm, I'm starting at the right time. Like I had to like justify in my mind that it wasn't too late because otherwise I would have been like slathering it on. <laughs> just like, eh, make it better. <laughs> um, okay. So she said, start slow. So I started doing it like once or twice a week. And then you can start doing it every day because your face kind of freaks out. I mostly get my acne here. This like, luckily it was like all under here or whatever, but this exploded. Like, I don't know, because this resolution is really shitty, but like, I was very insecure the last couple of episodes because this was all acne. Oh, I never saw it. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually where like shitty resolutions really helpful because I don't, I'm even when my skin breaks out, I'm not putting on makeup for anybody. That's how I feel. <laughs> Until I start making money. I'm not ever again. Yeah. Putting on makeup. I was after a week of it, I was like, I hate, this is the worst my skin has looked in years. It was so bad. And so then um, I looked it up. It's two to six weeks that your skin starts to kind of purge. It could last as long as uh, two to three months, but I have to say it's already better. Like it, this is already, there's a little, but it was- You're kind of glowy. Thank you. I think it's working. Yeah. I, to, I don't know if it's in my head, but I what don't What brand care. are you using? I don't know. You know how you just like buy something because somebody told you? I am so susceptible to add to like advertising. Oh, I have to like, that's why I think I, I am a Googler is because like somebody's like, this will change your life. And you're like, I'm literally about to press the button. I was like, let's read some reviews. This is I mean, yeah, I almost bought like a, an 80 pound neck cream because somebody was like, it's going to change your life. But then I was like, don't, yeah. don't do that. I'm getting better about stopping these instincts. I'm very proud of you. Thank I you. do see that because <laughs> I, I think we're both like that, but like I can be the voice of reason for both of us. Like when we're <laughs> out together, I'm like, do you need this? But for myself, like I'll literally be holding something and I'll be like, do you need this? Like I can, I can do that for, I can be that person for m myself. I don't fight back as much as you do. Um, so <laughs> yes, I, I fucking need this. I feel like you fighting back has made my inner talking to myself stronger because I'll be like, I need it. And then I'm like, being like Maria right now. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I knew you'd get pissed when I said that. So nice. You're very nice, but you're very strong-willed when you want something, which I think is beneficial when it's your dreams. Less so when it's financially spending money on something. Well, my dreams need to start paying for my other <laughs> impulses. Okay, so These anyway. Dreams need to start paying off. That is, that is true. Um, pay for our dreams. Okay. Um, <laughs> then there's like a Patreon ad for us comes up. Um, <laughs> we need face cream. Okay. So basically if you don't know, uh, purging is basically, so they say that like, um, because of retinol, it's the whole reason that it's supposed to be good for like youthfulness, uh, is that it, the cell turnover increase, increases, which what happens is your pores start to purge and just kind of think of it like your pipes are kind of cleaning out. So it's just like, get all this craziness out. So that can range from like minor pimples to major breakouts, um, skin dryness, flaking, peeling, and redness. I have to say it was only acne 
that happened and it was only like kind of in this one place. And after about three weeks, I feel like I'm already better. And I start, and you're supposed to start really slow because your skin is like, I don't like this at first. So I did it twice a week for, I think three weeks. And now I'm doing it every night. And I, I feel like I'm beautiful. I feel like it's- You are, cream. honestly, your skin is glowing. I did notice that. The cream that I bought for 40 Every time I use retinol creams, I, I mean, I flake. I, I don't break out as much as I just like, like my nose, my nose always flakes. I like the burn. There's a little burn. I don't like that. I love it. It makes me feel like it's working. It's probably- Yeah, my face was purging, but now I'm beautiful. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> uh, what was your Google? And mine has to do with skin also, because I was um, watching, like I went down a little rabbit hole of YouTube videos about skin and hydro shit. Okay. There's a, there's a new treatment, tweakment, non-surgical uh, <laughs> called Profilo, and they stick hy- hyaluronic acid like underneath your skin. I saw that. The thing is, when they put the needle in, you get big welts on your cheek. It's just fucking nasty looking. Yeah. I mean, I just, there's something really horrific about all of the, anyway, uh, so I I was watching a bunch of those videos and one of the hosts said, there's uh, vitamin C, like, that you won't absorb into your body as well as you need it to, for it to like help the collagen in your skin and like for it to like help build your immunity and stuff like that. So there's something called liposomal vitamin C. I mean, it's really expensive. So it's about a pound of sachet. And like it's 30 sachets. I think I paid 30 pounds for this. And, the, and it's basically a gel of vitamin C that doesn't dissolve in water. You have to like shoot it like it's an oyster, you know, <laughs> like you just have to and, and swallow it like that because it won't, it won't dissolve. So um, I just wanted to see like what the benefits were. I didn't really understand the difference. And I'll be honest, this website confused me more and I'll be even more <laughs> honest. I didn't leave myself enough time to find something else. So it says vitamin C makes a huge dis- difference in the amount you're body is able to absorb. However, how you consume vitamin C makes a huge difference in the amount of body is able to absorb and use. A feature all supplements called bioavailability. So how much your body is actually absorbing vitamin C is the bioavailability. Adding supplemental vitamin C in the form of ascorbic acid, the equivalent form of vitamin C found naturally in foods will increase blood levels further. But natural absorption of vitamin C above the intake of about 200 milligrams decreases sharply with increasing doses by as much as 50%. So your body just stops absorbing them, which I've always known. Like you can't eat, you can't have too many vitamin C because they're really yeah, good, you, the vitamin C ones. You just, you just piss it out, right? That's yeah. what I've always heard is yeah. that once your body, like your body kind of, think of it like as a cup and then you, if you put too much in, it just overflows. You can't like overdose on vitamin C. Yeah. Yeah. So your body just stops absorbing as much. I like that analogy, but I'm not sure it works like with what's actually happening. Oh but... yeah. No, I don't, I don't think it's scientifically accurate. <laughs> like any of this. How you choose to we... view it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I start, I start like setting up like a whole thing. Like, I'm just like, let me, sh- this is your body. It's a cup. Let me show you vitamin C. Oh, Look. I just realized how long this article is. I'm sorry. In summary, there we go. <laughs> This is how I do school. Just can you just get to the point? Liposomal vitamin C is a revolutionary approach to introducing vitamin C into your system. Liposomes are used as a phospholipid bilayer formed around water, and in this case, vitamin C. The outer casing protects the nutrient inside from damage that might otherwise occur during digestion so that you actually take it in. And anyway, it's supposed to help with your skin and collagen and being hydrated. 
Because I always feel like I'm dehydrated. I always feel like my skin is dry, my hair is dry. And um, so this is supposed to help with that, help your body absorb water. And So this is, are you reading about a product or are you reading about a certain type? Like, I guess there's so many big words in that, that I'm like totally confused that if that's the actual product that you bought or if that's so, okay, technology. The, the, to- that's the technology. I bought Altriant on Amazon, A-L-T-R-I-E-N-T. That's the brand. So the technology is liposomal. That's like, you know, what's so funny is like, I heard everything that you said and I thought this is either jargon or I'm just not smart enough to understand it. And both of those things make me not want to buy something. Like when it's outside of my ability to digest the information, I go, I'm not, I go, I don't. And then if if it's expensive, I'm like, I don't want to be that had. Or in some ways people, like it sounds smart and people are like, well, I want. I get what you're saying exactly. Um, I think because I've been looking at so many like tweakment options and like so many really expensive treatments for my skin that by the time I got to these 30 pound vitamin C things, I was like, why don't I just try that first? You know? Yeah, no, and I, I think it's, I, I think it's smart. And like, we both experiment in ourselves. And I think, I don't know if that's like a womanly thing to be like, well, let's try it and see what happens. Like you spend money to find the thing and you have to do it in some ways. Like I definitely did that for like my curly hair products because everybody's hair is different. And like, you know, your hair is thicker than mine. So you can't just ask any curly haired girl, you know, what do you use? Because it might be too heavy for my thin curls, like whatever. Same thing with skin. Like everybody's skin is so different, but like, I find it becomes like, like addictive. Like, and that's why I was kind of like, I want to be smart about even experimenting with this like retinol or whatever, but I don't know. I I can see it more and more as we talk about skincare that like, that's their ploy. Is it like, this is the, this is the thing. I think, I mean, I think it's, I I think it's really dangerous and it's really hard to know what's just healthy for you and what is, is, um, hubba baloo. Yes. Yes. But like, cause I went to this place in central London for, to talk about tweakments. Cause I wanted to talk about my acne scars and stuff like that. What I found ended up happening was she confused me so much as far as pricing. There's a term for it. It's like, I forget what it is. I can try to find it, but like she confused me so much. I think what she wanted to happen was for me to just go, that's fine. Whatever, whatever it is, I'll pay it. But because yeah. she did that and I was like, I'm a, I'm a smart person. Like, I don't yeah. think I'm too dumb to figure out your pricing system. But like the price that she was quoting me wasn't even on the thing. She was like, oh, well, it's not on this list, but what's going to happen is you need this, you know, that in conjunction with this will really help with that. And like, and then it's going to be this much. And she started writing all this stuff down. I was like, wait, and then if I could show you the menu, like it's little, little print and then just rows and rows and rows and rows and columns of stuff. And I just think that pricing clarity is, is um, I think it's a, a trick. Yeah. In, in a lot of different things. What, why did I start talking about that? Cause you were talking about the clarity of what, like, oh, lipo C, I know like made up scientific terms to make you yeah. feel like you don't know enough. And you're like, oh, maybe this is a magical new thing. Yeah. And that's what it did. It did take me weeks before I actually ordered it, but I just figured. Um, and I think that's okay. I actually think if you discover something or you want to try something and then I, with myself and with you, I always fight that impulse that like, I heard about something, it's going to change my life, buy it now. And then two weeks later, it's a thing that you use twice and you, and it, you're unhappy with it because you inflated the promises of the website or whatever. I, I know it sounds so stupid, but the thing I liked about this TikTok lady and really all of TikTok is it's just women going into like, like, um, CVS and being like this trash, don't get it. This literally empty promises. This will make your skin worse. And like, they go, this is what I like about it. And this is why the sign, and like, they kind of break, like dumb it down for you. 
and it's estheticians doing it. And like, sometimes you just, some, you need somebody to break it down to like a third grade level because I, like, I think so too. Like there was a really good book in the early 2000s called don't go to the makeup counter without me. You told me about that. Yeah. And it was just a really comprehensive book about like what all the ingredients mean. It was the first time I learned about um, sodium lauryl sulfate. Yeah. And like how bad that was. And just like, she broke down the ingredients and what they, what they do and like why tea, tea, tea tree pots are like bullshit. And, and then she wrote another book and then, but now she has her own line of products, which it was bound to happen. But then now we've gotten to the point of like, do I trust this? Yes, of course. When it's just information, you go, oh, they're just educating. But once they have their own, which is, you know, what's so funny about that esthetician that I really, really liked. I was like, she's the best. Da, 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 da. And then a new post was like, we have these under eye things. We just made them. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And now the last posts are all about that. And I'm like, you lost me, girl. When you right. were a unbiased outside resource, you had me. But once you start selling shit, I start to go, okay. Because that has become the ploy of all marketing is that you educate to help people buy your thing, which I'm not saying it's dumb, but it can get skewed and it can become its own kind of fake news where it's like you educate, you educate, and then you start to, to skew and you start to like not give the full information because it might not line up with what you're trying to sell. Yeah. It's been really hard. I'll be honest, like trying to figure out, like trying to get the information without getting biased information or like people trying to sell Like, Cause even that, that clinic I went to, like they had their own line of hyaluronic acid. And I believe that hyaluronic acid is good for your skin. She was like, honestly, like I'm biased, but this, this is the best we've won awards. Our ingredients are this. It just all becomes too uh, intermixed. But I, I mean, and that's also where outside reviews help. So like I, I, the way I kind of tend to research is I see something, then I read about like both the product and what the product is supposed to be doing. And then I start to read reviews of, of the actual product. And that's where like you still, those still can be biased because people pay people to write reviews. They edit reviews. The ones that I usually like is when there's a complaint, like somebody will say, Hey, I use this. It was garbage. I'm so disappointed. And then the product will come back and be like, we're so sorry to hear that you're disappointed. How long did you use it? Can we do this? And they actually talk to the person. So then that feels like they're present and they take responsibility for their product and they're trying, they're not trying to sell you fluff. They actually want you to be happy. That's been like kind of a, like a telltale sign. Same thing with like clothes. Like, cause I can be very susceptible to like, there's like a dress and you're just like, I need that dress. Like my life is going to change when I get that dress. And then I'll read a review and they're like, I don't know where in China this dress was made, but they ran out of fabric and it is not the size they said. And it's, it's made for puppies. Like, I don't know what this yeah. is. Oh, the best thing ever is when people take pictures and put it on the site of like, this is me with that shirt, or this is yes. me with like having used this lipstick or whatever. Like, I think, I think it's actually genuinely helpful. But like, all that said, I mean, look at my skin. It's kind of glowing, isn't it? Yeah, we're doing it. We're One thing of vitamin C. Also, if you want to experiment just to experiment and that's fun for you, I'm never going to, you know what I mean? It's just, I think when there is like this little thing in your head that you're like, this product, this shoe, this whatever is going to change my life. And because I live in a fantasy world and I, I, like, I like thinking the future will be better, I have to like, as somebody that doesn't have a lot of money, I always have to be like, no, Liz. That's been how I literally budget is by having that inner voice that's like the same way you go into a relationship with expectations as opposed to actually knowing the person. This person's going to treat me this way. This person is good like this. And you're like, you've, you've known them for two hours. How do you yeah. know all this information about them? That's just fantasy. That's just expectations. I think we do the same thing with products. And so trying to manage that has been helpful, but it's been a journey. All right. You want to get to, let's get personal. Yeah. If you could live in any city or town, like it doesn't have to be a big city, uh, what city would you live in? Paris. Really? 
Why Paris? I don't know. Paris is one of those places that I have been nostalgic for before I even ever went, <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah. oh, that reminds me of those days in Paris. But it's like, what days in Paris? You've never <laughs> been to Paris. But it's just like, I just, I have this, such this romanticized idea of Paris and like, I love performing in Paris. So every time we go and we perform, I always have a great time. But like, it's just, it's just the way of life, the, the, like the whole French way of life. That makes sense to me. I yeah. see you in Paris. Yeah, I'm a very, I'm a, I'm very Parisian. The way you talk about food is like, I just feel like you would fit in and you, you look like those paintings of somebody sitting with a book in a window with a bread basket in front of them. Totally. That's like how I envision your happy place. Yeah. I don't know why I do anything else. That's all I need to do. Cup of coffee. Cup of coffee. Exactly. Basket of bread. Be around a beautiful city. Yeah. I'm all over the place. My answer depends on comedy half the time. So like if comedy is a factor, I kind of think London. I also love New York City and I don't see myself. It really is. But like, I love that it's like quaint. It's different. I don't need to learn a language. Comedy is awesome there. That's half the reason I've gone as much as I have, but like it's become my second home already. You're there. Um, Thank you. I was like, hello. (laughs) Being a a bitch right now. Um, It still makes me happy every time I go and I feel very comfortable there. But if comedy wasn't a factor, probably somewhere in the Netherlands. Like, Oh yeah, you love the Netherlands. I love the Netherlands so fucking much. It's so pretty. (laughs) I mean, I don't like that everybody's tall and like better than us, but like other than that, (laughs) like it's just every time I've been there, I think five times to, I think five different, I mean, I've been there, I've done two trips, five cities. That's better. It doesn't sound like sound obsessive when I'm just like every every year I just go to the Netherlands try to find a husband but no I've I've done five cities and every time I like the canals and then it it just is pretty and everything is just like quaint I just feel like I'm inside Beauty and the Beast like Utrecht is a half hour train outside of Amsterdam and there's like three cars there everybody rides a bike it's a very pedestrian bikey place everybody's just like kind of friendly again this is all like a touristy perspective i was also like hungover the first time i went and not okay <laughs> just not okay so it could have been like i was in a bad place and like utrecht just like held me and was like we got you here's a cup of coffee <laughs> here's somebody whistling <laughs> but like everywhere and and the hyven and rotterdam there's like all these pl- like rotterdam is known as like um, the architecture, like capital of the world, like after World War II, they destroyed it and everybody else just rebuilt to rebuild, to rebuild. And Rotterdam was like, let's get funky. And so (laughs) I just, I don't know, it had an artsy vibe to it. And so David Sedaris is like one of my favorite authors. Um, me talk pretty one day, owls and quarter. I don't know. He has weird titles, Um, but he's awesome. Um, One of my favorites, one of my favorite, whatever the fuck his books are called. (laughs) Yeah, truly. I, you know, I'm a moron. Um, That's your family but, in corduroy and leather. Yes. And then there was another one about owls. Yeah. I, I think I just crammed them all together. Um, <laughs> Holidays on Ice was like his first book, but it's like funny short stories. He's awesome. But he moved to some part of England with his husband and that American abroad, like what you're kind of doing, like where you're like, you just kind of leave your life behind and you pretend like you're better than people, especially with how America is right now. I think I'm I think there is a little fantasy in my head that I was like, and I don't feel like I have to learn the language, which isn't a very American thing to say, where I'm just like, we'll figure out what I'm saying. Everybody takes it as an insult that I moved to London. Like I rejected like Americans personally. Who, who takes it as an insult? No, I don't know. But the way you were like, you're a little move. And then you were like, 
Um, oh, I didn't mean it that way. And then I, oh, I'd be better than everyone. And, you know, it's, um, there's a sort of pretentiousness or something that comes with moving to another country that you go, oh, okay. Well, is it not good enough here in America for you? Um, I don't see it as that. I don't see it as America's not good enough for you. I see it as that general stereotype that when American moves abroad, they start talking down to people. Oh, when I was in Paris. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I remember... I did this big European tour maybe like two years ago. Oh God, the tour I'm about to talk about was four years ago. The time doesn't matter anymore. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but I, I was, it was all over the Middle East and then all over Europe. And then that was in like spring, summer. Uh, Cause that was also the summer I did uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And then for, for Thanksgiving or Christmas, I went home and my mom made something Italian or whatever. And I said, and I don't, I didn't mean it, but I was like, oh, when I was in Italy and I went to tell a story and my dad was like, when I was in Italy. <laughs> and I'm like, you're Italian. Like, it's not my, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? It like, is like, annoying though. Like we're annoying, but like, I don't know why is the thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm one of those people that brings it up all the time, but there is a part of me that like, as someone that loves cannolis, like cannolis, I feel like are my favorite thing in the world. I had pistachio cannolis that I can't seem to find anywhere else in the U.S., but I had them in Italy, and I do think I'm better than people because I had them. They're the best thing that I've ever put inside my body, and I think <laughs> because I know that, I'm better than people. And, I, and not even that I'm better than people. I'm being silly, but, like, I want people to experience that. Like, I wish I could. My cat is doing some crazy shit to get over let's, here. I'm let's like, see her. Let's see I, I, my, my room's too messy, but, like, I mean, the the physical gymnastics that she is doing to get on this desk. She has arthritis, so I worry about her. All that said, I am being silly. I don't think I'm better than anybody, but there are moments that you have abroad that are so amazing and that when you share them, you just want to share your experience, but they come off so douchey. I wish I could get rid of that douche factor. I just want to tell you about these cannolis. I don't want to make you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> if, I could, yeah. if I could deliver them to my parents. I mean, I did bring some home to my parents. Like I tried to buy it the last day so that when I saw my parents, they weren't too stale. Yeah, it's always like whenever you tell stories about being abroad, you have to start with going, I'm an absolute piece of shit. And, <laughs> and I don't do anything of value, but. So, yeah. So anyway, I was in Italy. Should we get into our topic? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> our topic is anger and anger management. And like, for me, I've been angry my whole life, but I didn't know it. Do you relate to that or no? I knew it. You knew that I was angry or, or that you knew that you were angry? I knew I was angry. I've just been angry. I'm an angry, I was an angry kid, angry adult, Ooh. angry teen. Yeah, I'm just, here we go. There she is. <laughs> she, she really wasn't going to give up. Okay, sorry, sorry. Please tell me about your anger. This is actually really good for your anger management. Like, Look how cute she is. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this is my thing is that like, I've been angry my whole life, but it wasn't until my twenties that I realized just how like much it controlled me. Do you, do you feel like because you understood it, it didn't control you? Like that's where oh, like, I'm I don't at. know if I understood it. Um, especially with the misophonia, I didn't understand it. I just knew I was angry. I don't know how it controls me. I guess I, I don't really understand what you're getting at. So everything I did or didn't do was controlled by my anger. So because I was, because everything made me angry or like that was the first emotion that uh, came to surface, you know how it is. It like kind of clouds your judgment. You're just like in a place where like you can't even make decisions. And then I get emotional 
like I, I get so angry and I don't know how to express it in a non a detrimental way to either myself or to the person I might be angry about or the situation I might be angry about that it, I process it as like as uh, a, tears. A, a, tears. Like, I mean, I, re I remember this was maybe like two years ago. I was so mad at Justin. I was so mad at him and I couldn't express it. And I was at a place where I was going to say something shitty. So he lives in a studio. So I went into the bathroom and I took a shower. That's was like, I was like, this is what we're going to do. I don't know how to fix this. So I took a shower and then I was still angry after my shower. So then I decided to blow dry my hair because that's like an extra 10 minutes. So I'm blow drying my hair. I've like truly like, like been in this bathroom for like almost an hour at this point. And Justin knocks on the door and I was like, what, do you have to pee? Like, I was like, what? Like, I almost wanted to be like pee in the sink. And he's like, I, I, I do have to pee. Um, but I, I'm also worried. <laughs> and so I open the door and I go to try to say something and it, I just start crying, like just crying. And he was like, what's wrong? And I just go, I am so mad at you. I'm just, I cannot speak. I am so mad at you. And I'm hysterically crying like somebody stole all my money. I don't know why I do that. Like, I, I don't know if it's a coping mechanism in the sense that instead of throwing stuff or yelling or cursing at people because I don't want to be that person, I like push it down and it like reconfigures and comes out as tears. But yeah. I, you know <laughs> what I mean? Recalculating. And then it's yeah, just like, yeah, here yeah, you yeah. go. Like, Whoa. <laughs> like, like my brain is like, go fuck yourself. And it's like, no, we can't do that. I'll fucking kill your family. No, we can't yep. do that. <laughs> I want to say those things. But it, I've gotten somewhat better, but I can I, now look at my past and be like, most of the time I was crying, I was filled with rage. Yeah, I've been so angry, I've cried. And it, it pisses me off, like, because you sort of, you look like um, you're being weak. Yes. But it's like, this isn't weak, I'm doing you a favor by yeah. not, <laughs> not exploring the other outlet of the anger. Yeah but it looks weak. It just looks like, oh, don't hurt me. It feels like, like there's like a valve and like, if it comes out this way, you're going to punch somebody. And if it comes out this way, it's going to be tears. And yeah. I always plug the, the hurt somebody side. So it's yeah, that's like, for hey. the best. Yeah. 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 Cause you go to and, jail for that side. Yeah, you do. You do. And so for me, I've plugged off that side because I don't want to be mean to people. I don't, I, I am somewhat scared of my anger. Um, but the crying side, I'm so embarrassed about and feel like I don't get taken seriously. And a lot of times people I've dated have seen it as a tactic because, you know, nobody, nobody that cares about you wants you to cry. So if I'm mad at you and I start yelling at you, like at least like we're, we're two people on the same page. Mm -hmm. I'm mad. We're yelling. This is what we're doing. But like, if I start crying and you're yelling, you're an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, you're just being a piece of shit. Like, I'm just a little girl. Upset about but like, I don't play it that way. It's just, that's how I've always processed it because I'm scared of being on that same level of like shouty, 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 shouty. Yeah, I've, I've cried with like arguments with Johnny and I'm always worried it'll come off as manipulative. Like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to like get out of like, like, ah, you, you made me cry. So now you have to be kinder to me. I, I cry because yeah. I'm so confused. <laughs> Because like, yeah. he's, 
He's really good. Like he, he, like I always say, he should have been a lawyer, and he hates when I say that. But like, he's really good at like debates and arguments. And I'm, I, 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 I logically, I get very lost very quickly. So I'm always like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> could you imagine if you were a lawyer and like you have your whole thing planned out, and the other side is like, and that's why my client should be let free, and you're like, oh, yeah. prepared. <laughs> I'm like, that's actually pretty sound. <laughs> I forgot what I was gonna say anyway. Yeah, and you're like. Fuck, I, I stayed up all night preparing for this argument. I don't know. I It was a real epiphany. I started seeing a therapist when I was 25. And I remember she was like, well, because you're angry all the time. And I was like, I'm not angry all the time. And she gave me that look that was like, sweetheart. Oh, sweetie. And I was like, I, was, I remember it was one of the first times that I was really defensive. I was like, I'm not angry all the time. Like I was so delusional. And then when I started to pay attention to it, I'm angry all the time. Well, so how did you start to realize that you're angry all the time? Like, are you angry, like actually all the time, getting on the buses, going to lunch, doing any kind of work, interacting with everyone? I'm much better now, but I had a, a negative self-talk that was uh, almost constantly beating myself up. So, which is a form of anger. There's, so like even doing kind of research, there's outward anger. So it's me telling you to go fuck yourself. It's cursing, it's throwing stuff. It can be verbal or physical to the outside world. A pigeon, a guy on a bus, a child, that's anger, outward anger. Inward anger is any kind of negative self-talk, any kind of negative um, harm, uh, so, you know, could be um, withholding food from yourself, anything that's kind of necessary. There's anger directed towards self, um, denying yourself of things, uh, basic needs such as food, self-harm, isolating. So there's that kind of inward, and then there's kind of like passive anger. So passive anger is like indirect ways of expressing. So um, any kind of passive aggressive behavior towards somebody, the silent treatment, sulking, being sarcastic, which is kind of funny, and making snide remarks. So like being a comic. Well, I spend- it sounds like everything's categorized under anger. Sulking is categorized under anger. And if, passive aggressiveness, I mean, you're like describing some people I know, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, passive aggressive is aggressive. It's, a, it's just because, I mean, that is anger. That's your way of, basically, this is a way of expressing anger. Silent treatment is, is, an, is a form of anger. That's that is always, a form of abuse. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. So for me, let's say 25-year-old Liz, I was beating the shit out of myself and being mean to myself most of the time. And then anytime something happened in the world that I felt was like an indiscretion, you know, Subway being late, almost missing my spot, somebody bumping into me, somebody uh, being mean to me in any kind of, everything was like a trigger. So anything that triggered, it would make me hate myself. And then everything that felt like it was in the outside world that would trigger me. So I just was, and now I can feel it in my body. Like I remember describing getting that parking ticket um, last month where I see the ticket on my windshield, my entire body gets hot. I am so mad at myself. I'm just mad. I don't have anything to do. I could have checked the sign. I was wrong. I misread the sign thinking that it was 930 when it was nine. This ticket is my fault and I hate myself right now. So I'm sitting in my car. My entire body is hot. I'm going through like negative self-talk and beating the shit out of myself. And then I went to, I'm just helping rebuild this great city. And it made me laugh, like changing my perspective yeah. and, and, and trying to get myself out of this cycle of beating myself up was one, just a way of twisting it. But that was such a silly thought to be like, I'm not an idiot. I'm just rebuilding the city, $65 at a time. 
it made me laugh. And, it, and I'm not even joking. It's like if, if the body was getting filled with hot liquid, it's like somebody put out a, took a plug out and it just all evaporated. But I, I now can see that my whole body gets hot. I can see that I get tense. I can, I'm sure if I had a mirror to my face, I could see like my face just get like more rigid. A lot of it is me trying to, because I'm such a zero to 60 person and I'm a tiny person. Like I used to talk about having stage rage, which is somebody pisses me off and I say something on stage that's so fucked up or so aggressive that the only reason I'm getting away with it is because I feel protected because I'm on stage, I'm surrounded by other people and I'm in a performance setting. But sometimes then I'd go on the subway, still in that rage, somebody bumps into me and I'll be like, I'll fucking kill you. And then I remember I'm five one and nobody's going to protect me. So I am aware most of the time that I could get really hurt with what I say and do and that I, I am vulnerable being as angry as I am. So I feel all this anger and then I have to find a way of not being myself. And then I, 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 I can't, I, I've, sh- I've been so angry. I've been shaking. I've left train cars. I've walked away from people. I've, you know what I mean? Like I've had to do That's so. Weird. It's weird because I've only been that angry. Um, like when I'm triggered by misophonia where I'm shaking or I have to leave the car or something. And I have to watch my face too, because if I'm so disgusted with someone chewing gum, I'm like, oh, you're, you know, just whatever. You can't make that face at people, but I will. But I forget that my face, other people can see it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Shows up so clearly. But do you feel vulnerable? Like, do you feel like you can't be? If I'm the Rock, I could be my full angry self because who's gonna hurt me? How is it gonna be detrimental? Yeah. But I've always felt that I'm not even allowed to be angry because it puts me in a place of harm from others. Yeah, I tweeted the other day like, when you're short, you're not allowed to be angry, lest it be hilarious. Yeah. If I were six foot five man, I would probably speak my mind when somebody was sitting across from me not wearing a mask. But as it is, I'm just like, I'll get my ass kicked. Actually, there's a really sad story where an older man in his 70s moved away from a guy in his 20s not wearing his mask. He just moved away from him and the guy like went and beat his head in. Like it was just really sad story. Otherwise, London's a great city. But like, um, (laughs) so what I found interesting about your ticket story was that you, you filled with rage and got mad at yourself where if I saw that ticket, I would fill with rage and get mad at the person who gave me the ticket. I'm in the wrong though. Like I at least can do the logical thing and go, it said I had to move my car at nine. I thought it said 9.30. I could have at any point double checked. And I even that weekend was like, I can't remember if it's nine or 9.30, but I'm almost positive it's 9.30. I never checked. And then I got a ticket. That was a hundred percent me being neglectful of something that is a basic rule that you can't misconstrue. When I'm angry, most of the time it's not a lot illogical. It is at myself. I mean, it is. This was a thing. I did it wrong. I'm the one to blame. Yeah. Oh, I'd be like this stupid city. Those rules. The signs are too hard to read. Whatever. Like, I mean, I just think that blaming myself. Like, I would do that, but I don't think I would turn it all on myself. I think I would. I would distribute my anger evenly among everything in the situation. I was raised by Catholic parents and we were raised to hate ourselves. And I will say this, I don't think that was the right way to raise us. That being (laughs) said, I think I'm a nicer person because I jumped to the conclusion first that I did something wrong, that not that other people did something wrong. That being said, Um, when someone else breaks the rules, I beat the shit out of them in my mind the same way that I would beat myself up. 
Is it like, okay? I feel like I equally, I'm equally hate people as much as I hate myself. Well, what, what I find interesting also is that you said like sarcasm, because I'm, I'm pretty sarcastic. Yeah. Um, that's a form of anger. I remember turning it, I remember being at a restaurant with someone and this was years ago. It was like 15 years ago. And the, the waitress, like, I didn't like my food or something. And the waitress was like, oh, how was everything? I was like, actually, it's, it's not that great. And, but like, I didn't want her to correct it. I yeah. just wanted to tell her I hated it. Cause she's like, oh, can I get you something else? And I was like, no, it's fine. And she's like, okay, well, you know, is, is there anything I could do? I was like, no, I'm fine. And so he was like, why did you do that? Like, if you didn't want her to fix it, you didn't, why did we just want her to feel bad? And I was like, yeah, that's yeah. true. Why did I do that? I don't even know why I'm telling this story. I just remember <laughs> that was the last time I complained without having a call to action. I actually think that's one of the healthiest ways to kind of process that. Like if you are going to be angry at somebody, understanding even just why you're angry, like, I think a lot of what people connect in me, in my comedy, I mean, is that I take the time, maybe not in the moment, but post moment to go, why did I feel this way? And why did I behave this way? And then both in processing it in a comedic sense, and then even just like on my own, I have prepared myself better for other situations like that. So, you know, you complain to this waitress, that your, your food wasn't good. Now looking back and I guess, was that Johnny that was like, why did you complain? No, this is like 15 years ago. It was, oh. it was Mina actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Mina's like, why would you do that? You start to look at your actions and you go, oh, I just wanted, I, not, it's not even the chef. It's just, you're angry that you paid money for something that you don't like, which is just what life is. Like, we were even talking about it with products. You think this product's going to change your life. It does nothing. It was a complete waste of money and your time. But that's just the nature of stuff. The reason people get the same Thai dish every time they get Thai food isn't because they don't really want to experiment. It's because, if, or at least for me, if you're going to spend $10, I want to know that I'm going to like it. It's the reason you like candy bars. It's the reason we go to Starbucks. It's the reason we like fast food. I pay this money, I get the same thing every time, and I'm satisfied. I so actually th take it as a great compliment that you let me suggest foods. Cause like you trust me so much that you like let me say like, you gotta try this ceviche at this Peruvian Peru 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 place. Yeah. And uh, you're like, okay, but I don't do this. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't do this shit. Because to me, if I'm going to pay money for somebody else to cook for me, that's a huge financial risk for me. And it's also a night out and, you know, all this, all this happiness is connected to it so that if it doesn't work out, I judge myself. I take things so personally and so hard that I've had to do mental work to go, you took a risk, you didn't enjoy it, you learned something from it. And I've had to work with that because I think what happens is you go out to eat, it's unsatisfactory, you paid money, you feel slighted. And somebody has to pay for this. I, guess I think what I'm asking I, is like when there's no resolve, like when there's no point point in saying anything because there's nothing that can be done. What's the point of then um, complaining? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but then you also have to think the difference between complaining and letting somebody know that 
this isn't the correct way of handling things. But if you don't like a dish at a restaurant, unless something is severely wrong with it, like they put something in it that's like poison, to complain about it is just to complain. It's just a way of, of, of venting and getting the anger out so that it's somebody else's problem as, oppo as opposed to constructive criticism. I just think that when there's no resolve in now or in the future, you're just complaining to make somebody else pay for your shitty feeling as opposed to constructive criticism, which is when you do this, it affects me this way. 15 years ago, my dad had kidney cancer and was very fortunate. It was kind of far along, but not enough that it went into his like blood and stuff. So he didn't have chemo. They just took his kidney and it's like a painful surgery. And there was some like recoup or whatever. But my dad was mean for like two years, like really mean to the point where it became a running joke where it was just like, oh, I liked him better when he had two kidneys. <laughs> and it, it, it was just like a weird time. And like, I think he was scared. I think he was like resentful. Um, he clearly survived. My dad's doing great. But I think there was like a lot of confusion of why this happened to him, especially with he was unhappy with other parts of his life, that I think people project their pain onto other people, consciously or unconsciously, as, as a dispersing because it's too much for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. I find when I've had a bad day, I am grumpy. I am snooty. I'm, you know, short, short tempered. I'm snippy. And now I've learned to say something like I've, how many times have we, you know, been staying together and I'd be like, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm just not okay today. Or, you know, I'm really upset about this thing and I feel really grumpy. I'll tell, I'll go to my roommates and be like, Hey guys, I'm grumpy. And I'm just warning you because what'll happen is, you know, Chris will be like, Hey, um, can you get this for me? And I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. And I'll be like, Hey, I don't know why I'm being snippy. I'm sorry. And like, I'll, I'll have like this moment where I have to like reassess or the people I'm closest with, my siblings, you, my boyfriend, I will be shitty. And then I have to go, I don't think that's about you. I think I'm going through something and I apologize. I don't know how to fix it right now. And I've learned to have a watchful eye of, am I either not communicating with this person? Am I upset about something else and I'm putting it on this person? Or if whatever, you know, sometimes you just wake up shitty and you feel like you have less control of your life are you dehydrated like i feel like after yoga and i get upset when i'm dehydrated i guess i'm just I've, really angry after yoga sometimes yeah i've no i've noticed it as well like i'll go for a run and you know sometimes i'll drink water after the run sometimes i'm just i go right back into work mode and then i'll just be pissed off and i've now learned to be like i think i'm either hungry or dehydrated yeah, and a lot of and it's and you know everybody talks about hangry, but like, I I I think when your body is depleted, um, uh, uh lack of sleep. Yeah, I I truly think like a lack of sleep is half the time I'm angry is that I just can't control my emotions. I'm also um also much more cryy when I have a lack of sleep. I want to know like what takes you out of being angry, like the way Liz reframed when you were like, I'm building the city up $65 at a time or the way I was like, oh, like my rent is $1,100, not $800. So this ticket is just part of my rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Frame thing. Um, how do you reframe? Yeah, or like how do you, what are your like, what are your anger management? Like I read a bunch of stuff about what people do for anger management. Some stuff is just like the basic stuff, but I think anger management is so tailored to each individual person. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some basic stuff, like, like they, they even say like go exercise or, you know, take a time out or calm down before you express. My little brother was in anger management when he was like in kindergarten in first grade, which hello, that's gotta be a sign for something. 
and they and like they made him do a worksheet that was just like anger management what are you doing it's like count to 10 we used to make fun of them count to 10 and da, 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 da. but like some of this stuff even as an adult is helpful so i would love to know like individually what people do to like i'm in a rageful place i don't want to hurt anybody how do i get out of it uh so you, you can write us. to us <laughs> okay at uh the number two non doctors forward at gmail.com yay thanks for listening thanks guys Bye. I'm not mad at you.